0: The third one-day international gets underway this afternoon. You'll hear every ball right here on SCN at Monica Oval in Canberra. So what do we get out of this one? Australia v. West Indies. The Aussies have already wrapped up the series. But we've seen throughout this summer that the West Indies can deliver a few twists and turns. Adam White will be part of the commentary team. Morning, Whitey. What are you expecting this afternoon?
1: Yeah, well, I'm probably expecting more of the same in the sense that we we do think that Australia are are just too good for this young West Indian team. But I think at the same point, what we're looking for is for some of the younger players to to step up and show that they have got international cricket in them. And uh, I think we've seen that through the first couple of matches. You know, Xavier Bartlett certainly on the first night down in Melbourne. And then I think that the collective performances of, of Will Sutherland the other night with both bat and ball was, was very impressive. I'm not getting too excited about what uh, Jake Jake's <laughs> face with a couple of uh, big shots at the start. I think he's got to do more than that. But even some of the stuff that Josh, Josh Inglis did in the first game when he got the chance to open the batting. So I think this is all about opportunity. It's a long time until the next world cup. It's not, As long until the next Champions Trophy, and I know the Australians are already planning for that. So there's definite meaning internally for the Australians, these matches, not seen as a waste of time by any stretch of the imagination. It probably just hasn't quite captured the imagination of the Australian public as much as one day cricket has in the past.
0: Let's start with the openers because there was a fair bit of debate the other night at the SCG when Jake Fraser mcgurk comes in and he's given his cap and goes obviously straight to the order. And as you as you mentioned, uh, to the top of the order, as you mentioned, he only lasted five balls, but it was almost worth the price of admission, which is another <laughs> which is another point. However, Matt Short, I mean, I had so many people on the text line, Whitey, saying to us, why isn't Matt Short opening? Why, 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 why? The fact of the matter is now he's not going to be there because of a hamstring problem. So Fraser McGurk gets his chance again. Do you reckon this time around the Australians say to him, listen, let's build and then get the fireworks going or do what you do?
1: I think it's very much do what you do. That's why he's been picked. He's been picked to see whether the way he plays can stand up to the heat of, one-day international cricket. And there's there's two parts of this. There's obviously the the um, the opposition isn't particularly strong. So it's almost like playing a, a state game in a lot of ways. That's the level that the West Indies are at. But I think it's more coping with the pressure of who his teammates are, the likes of Steve Smith and Marnus Lavashane and Josh Hazelwood, the, the pressure of um, just playing for your country. Are you actually going to be able to play the same way? So I think that's the first part with Jake Fraser McGurk. And I think with Matt Shaw, it's a really, really interesting discussion. Now, as I understand it with Matt Shaw, what they're saying to him is, we know that you play your best cricket in white ball opening the batting, whether that's for Victoria or whether that's for the Adelaide Strikers. But there's no spotting the team at the moment as an opening batsman in white ball cricket for Australia. We've got other options that we will use ahead of you. But... There is an opportunity potentially in the middle order to be a regular player. So rather than waste these opportunities um, where we just go and do what we would normally do with Matt Short, let's see whether we can re-engineer you as a middle order player. So that whether it's Tim David's spot or whether it's Ashton Turner's spot, who's used the used that role before uh, in international cricket as a number five, six, maybe even as a number seven that can come out there and score, you know, 40 off 20 balls um, at from the 40th overmark or from the 38th overmark. Because I think that's the, the spot that Australia are looking for in, you know, sort of next generation. And maybe that is going to be Matt Short. So that that's why they're trying this with Short, because clearly he'd prefer to open the batting. But I think at the same point, clearly he'd prefer to be playing for Australia than not playing at all and waiting for a Steve Smith to retire, waiting for a Josh Inglis to fail opening the batting because that's kind of um, the person that they want to give the opportunity to. Now now David Warner is no longer in the team.
0: Which is where Australia has that uh, luxury of having the squad first mentality versus somebody like the West Indies who have so many young uh, players just trying to piece together a competitive team against this kind of outfit. Speaking about players who who look like they're made for the squad, Will Sutherland made his debut at the SCG. I know you spoke to him last night. Such an impressive character. He's only 24 years of age. He just seems built for international cricket, both physically and mentally.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the best way of describing Will Sutherland's cricket is the fact that he can do everything, including leadership um, you know, given the Victorian captaincy on a full time basis, as you said, at at just twenty-four, when they've had Peter Hanscom doing the job really well uh for quite some time in Victoria, it just shows what Victoria think of Sutherland's character um and his ability, I guess, to perform under pressure and just his understanding of the game. Now we're you know, we're talking before about Matt Short and the role that he might play for Australia moving forward. Sutherland's a really interesting one because He is one of probably five or six all-rounders around the country that could all play, I think, for Australia. Um, And it's just a question of where they all fit in. Um, Because I would say, and and, Matt, you watch um, New South Wales cricket probably closer than I do. You know, Sean Abbott showed the other night that he's not just a bowler. He's probably a bowling all-rounder. And I yeah. still think that Will Sutherland falls into that category as a as a bowling all-rounder at this stage in his career. He would like to be, I think, a better batsman. He, he'd like his output to be a little bit better with a bat. But being 24, he's still got some time. But then when you've got the likes of you know, Aaron Hardy putting his hand up to play for Australia, certainly Cameron Green in that all-rounder role, um, there's so many of them at the moment. It's, it's hard for everyone to fit in. So what I liked about Sutherland the other night was... With his ability to bowl, can he be the third seamer in the Australian team? And I'm even thinking potentially down the track in test cricket as well. He's very disciplined. So he doesn't have the airspeed of some of the other players, but he's very crafty and, as I said, very disciplined. And we saw that with the way he bowled the other night.
0: And the other part of the all-rounder debate, as Ricky Ponting has pointed out, is the fielding aspect as well. I mean, all-rounders these days have to be able to bat, bowl, and field just as well as anyone. Abbott can do it. He took two very good catches the other night. Will Sutherland can do it. He took a good catch a couple of feet off the ground, which puts him into the stratosphere. He's such a big bloke. So you're definitely right there. They tick all the boxes. Ben McDermott called in with no match short. McDermott's been around the international scene for for six years now, which which I had to double check when I was checking that this morning, but yeah. he made his debut back in twenty eighteen. So again, they can go to the well. Um, McDermott will probably get a start this evening. Um, what do we expect from him? Six one day is next to his name.
1: Well, he certainly hits the ball extremely hard. That's one thing he does and can clear the fence. Uh, very similar to, to Jake Fraser McGurk in that sense. Look, he just got a hundred the other day for Queensland. So um he's in form so i understand that selection and even when you look uh you know as a reference point to what's been going on in the marsh cup which is the, the domestic one day competition he's been doing well so i'm i'm comfortable enough with that selection and i, I think that's the thing for the people that are still listening to this conversation uh that are contemplating whether they go to the game uh, down in canberra today or just watch it on television we've just got to understand well, this is what it is it, it's kind of Generation next when it comes to the Australian team. So these guys that are coming in, th- there is purpose to this, and and they are really good players. And this is all about a almost well, like a fact finding mission for the Australians to see what the team might be in four years for the next World Cup, what the team might be, as I said, for the Champions Trophy. And these are the opportunities that these players they've got to take them um, while there's spots up for grabs and there's a bit uh, a bit of uncertainty about what the future of the Australian one-day cricket team looks
0: like. There's a bit of uncertainty with the weather, mate, in Canberra. 23 degrees. Well, I wasn't degrees. going to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> now, all right, let me give you the official forecast, right? So, cloudy, very high chance of rain, all that. But when you look at the details, you're looking at up to 45 millimetres of rain and a 95% chance of of something falling, falling from the sky. If that stays away or doesn't bother you, too, bother you too much, you get a good crowd there. I mean, there's 13,000, I think, maximum at Marnica, and it's a, it's a Tuesday night. You know, they'll, they'll get a good crowd under lights there. But it does lead us to the discussion that we had yesterday on this program about where else do you reckon you can give bang for your buck for your spectators at One Day Internationals? It's a separate argument, Whitey, to where ODI sit in the international schedule or the game itself, but if you're forking out a hundred bucks to go to the scG the other night and you want more than the cricket what do you think cricket Australia can do for the for the fan well it's a good question so I, I think
1: from a cricket Australia point of view they need to relook at how they are ticketing these matches and the overall potential packages that can be put together for an Australian cricket summer and then I think from a from a, what what else can be done for the fan, I think it's more about what the ICC can do in putting together a, a situation where there is context around every one-day international that's played. Similar to what is being set up with the World Test Championship, that you see the qualification for a World Cup, it's either a ladder or something like that where, where the, we're just not playing it for the sake of playing it. So I think that's an ICC thing. What I mean by the ticketing point of view... I think we've got to start looking at things like they do in the AFL and, and also the NRL where you might be able to buy, a, a, say, a Cricket Australia membership package, which entitles you to a day at the test match, three big bash matches and a one day match for the year. And that, that's, a, that's a set price that's not particularly expensive, um, but it gives you a chance to be able to sample all three forms of the game. And it might be a situation that you are automatically a member of the Cricket Australia family if you play local cricket or if your children play junior cricket, that that's part of a package deal where you can get, um, you know, as I said, a yearly pass to go to the cricket. And I think if you start looking at it that way, we might start to get more people going to the game or sampling the game. Because I feel what's happened, Matt, is that when it comes to one day cricket, it's certainly become the, the, the third preference of people because of Bbl cricket you know being seen as a, a family activity being seen as something that's sort of you know it's done in three hours as opposed to one day cricket, which is seven hours, how do we get people that are prepared to go along i think if you if you start saying, "Oh well, it's, you know premium ticket's one hundred and twenty dollars, well you've got to then multiply that out because it's usually something you can take your family to it's too expensive. Way too expensive and people just won't go, particularly if it's a school night, which was the case in Sydney on Sunday night, and if it's a junior cricket night, which was the case with uh, with Melbourne on Friday night, and obviously tonight, it's a, it's a school day in Canberra. I think they've just got to be a little bit more clever in the way that they entice people to, to go to these games or at least sample one day cricket, because I love one day cricket. Um, but I think if you're looking at things at the end of the summer and saying, hey, it's $100 to go, um, I'm thinking I'm watching it on television.
0: Mm, I like the idea, mate. I really like the idea. They've got the package there. They've got T20s, they've got ODIs, and they've got test matches, so why not package them up to your idea? I'll throw that out to our listeners this morning. Have a good call this afternoon and this evening. Looking forward to it, mate. Enjoy it.
1: No, thanks so. man. It it should be a lot of fun. Let's hope the rain stays away or, or comes and goes before the cricket starts. <laughs>